Thank you very much. Lovely, uh, thank you. Lovely to be with you. Great introduction. Wow, that was. <laughs> um, yeah, lovely to be here in the green. I shouldn't actually be in this country, but uh, this uh, uh, this patch, a bit of change for me. Um, spending a lot of time caring for my mother at the moment, so I had to come back to the UK and in a kind of a chapter of um, seeing um, things through with her at this at this period of time, and then. Um, can sort of get out on Sundays uh, occasionally, so um, that's the bit of a change for me this year. Um, we've had some good times. I've been able to maintain going abroad uh, for events and then coming back to the UK. So um, we've been uh, continuing the different teams that we've been doing. Had a very good time in Belgium. Uh, then I came back. Then I um, went off uh, in Saint-Paul-sur-Mer in the north of France with another team. Uh, and then um, just a week ago, we went to Boulogne-sur-Mer, um, a bit further down on the coast, and again had a good time with the church there. So thank you for praying. Um, it's interesting sometimes uh, how the Holy Spirit moves. My message this morning is going to be about... Um, the voice of God and the Holy Spirit. That's the kind of thing that I'd like to share with you this morning. Um, I've noticed that sometimes, uh, certainly in Europe and, and, and certain situations, where when the Holy Spirit begins to move, despite what kind of church it is, God just moves and the fish jump in the boat. And... Um, at the moment, just opposite, there's been a whole spate of baptisms um, in Calais, in Saint-Paul-sur-Mer, and in Bologna. Um, not because of any extraordinary evangelism events, um, but they've had about nine or ten people baptised in the sea, actually, in uh, Bologna this, uh, this year, which is quite remarkable for them. The, just an example, the town of Bologna-sur-Mer is... About 65,000 people, and there's one evangelical church of about 60 people strong, and that's all there is, other than one other little group maybe that meets. Um, very different when you cross the channel and come here, um, and there are so many churches that if you get fed up with one, you can pop off to the one down the road. That is not the case through much the coasts opposite. Um, and in Calais, they've had quite a few baptisms as well. So suddenly God just begins to sovereignly move. And it's wonderful to see God at work when that happens. Uh, he just sovereignly moves. So we had a very good times and um, been out about talking with people. There is an increased amount of openness to receive prayer. When we go out and we ask people, would you like to receive prayer? Um, many people respond with yes. And uh, that's very encouraging. I think people are being so um, tested in life that they are open to other means of, of, of connection with God. And, and when prayer is offered, people respond positively. So um, it's time for us to have courage to ask people, can we pray for you? And the Holy Spirit moves. I remember years ago when... Um, we used to talk about the Holy Spirit, talk about God, talk about um, receiving from God. A lot of it was around about, well, go and receive prayer. And uh, the leaders of the church will pray or whoever would pray. Um, 
But more and more, there is a whole area of learning to pray for others. It's not just receiving prayer, which is a good thing. We all want to receive prayer. But it's also for us to learn how to pray for others. Um, that is our mandate in God to um, be channels for the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's not just a matter of laying a hand on somebody and that's it, but learning to work and partner with the Holy Spirit and be a channel through which the power of God can move to bless other people. Um, when the disciples um, in the book of Acts, uh, Peter and John came, um, uh, they laid hands on the early disciples and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit and they saw the evidence of the power of God. And there's a whole area of us being trained up to observe what the Holy Spirit is doing, to lay our hands on people, uh, and I don't just mean Christians, non-Christians, and uh, then to um, just be a channel of blessing for the Holy Spirit to move. I do believe that often as we lay hands on non-Christians, uh, God is more likely to um, break in than we realise. Um, he longs to bless others. And every time I pray for people, I myself am blessed. So if you're looking for God to bless you, go and pray for somebody somewhere. Lay your hands on them. Ask God to bless them. Um, so I throw that out as a kind of open challenge. When was the last time you laid your hands on a non-Christian and prayed for them? If that has not yet happened, that could be a good challenge for you. Lord, in the next three months, please give me an opportunity to lay my hands on a non-Christian to pray for them and ask God to heal them, bless them, touch them in some way or other. And that might just kick you off onto a new road of learning to be um, what you were created to be, a blessing for other people. Hallelujah. Um, I've got my glasses somewhere. Um, so I thought I'd begin on a few thoughts, first of all. Um, thank you, Maynard, by the way, for letting me preach in your place. And Maynard, you've got next week. So we kind of did a double. We weren't quite sure how it was going to work, up, work out. I'm losing my earpiece here. My ear's not big enough. Right, okay. No, it's just coming off the bottom of my ear. Right, good. Um, just a few thoughts to begin. I'm uh, presently doing, um, working through the book of Acts and just looking at um, the early church, the, 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 um, the first church, and the excitement of the reality, firstly, of the resurrection. There's various things that we see in the early church. They were a buzz with the fact that Jesus had raised from the dead in a way in which we, it becomes a theology. But I don't know if it's always the excitement of the fact that Jesus is actually alive and here wanting to do miracles and do amazing things amongst us. And the early church were very conscious that Jesus was raised, had raised from the dead and he was there. Now, some of them had the fortune of actually seeing him and talking with him. 
after his resurrection. And the early church, that was a very powerful reality to them because they spoke with people who had seen him raised from the dead. And that was transformational to them. Um, Another thing that was very powerful in the early church, which I think we've lost in some ways, is the reality of the presence of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't just a doctrine. But right through the book of Acts, we read about where the Holy Spirit said. And there's various forms and ways in which the Holy Spirit spoke. Sometimes the Bible doesn't even tell us The Holy Spirit said this. The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me, Paul and Barnabas. The Holy Spirit said, go downstairs, Simon, and you will find men in your front lounge or knocking at your door. The Holy Spirit said this, said that. Sometimes it's maybe through a gift of the Spirit. Sometimes it was the Holy Spirit speaking in an audible voice inside. The different ways in which the Holy Spirit spoke. Now, we talk about the gifts of the Spirit Sometimes you make a, a kind of a, a big thing of that. But it's basically God speaking to us for us to go and do something or obey him. And I do believe that there is a place in our relationship of walking with him where we learn more and more to hear him, to hear the Holy Spirit's voice speaking to us. Jesus was always listening for the Father's voice, learning, watching, and obeying. We have the Holy Spirit who comes and dwells within us, and part of our walk is learning to hear him. Now in the book of Galatians, Galatians, the first three chapters, talks about grace. Now grace and the Holy Spirit are work together. Um, you won't see much Holy Spirit activity if you're still walking according to the law. The law and the Holy Spirit don't really get on that well. <clears throat> the law leads us to Christ. And then the Holy Spirit comes and does a work within us. And we are set free from the law and Paul had strong words for the church that began in the spirit and then began to walk in the law because they were coming away from what they were called to be, men and women of the spirit. We can walk away from um, moving in the spirit, working in the spirit. And Just a few phrases that the book of Galatians gives us in Galatians 4, 5, 6. It says, uh, Galatians 4, 8, Whoever sows to please the Spirit. Galatians 5.16. So I say walk by the Spirit. Galatians 5.18. But if you are led by the Spirit. Galatians 5.25. Live by the Spirit. And again in 25. Keep in step with the Spirit. Galatians 6. You who live by the Spirit should restore somebody who's caught in a sin. Galatians 6, 8. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So there's this language that Paul has 
of our relationship of walking with the Holy Spirit. Now, when we are without Christ, we have no ability or consciousness of God in us or on us. Uh, and the Holy Spirit is not far from us. He is not far from us. And often, as the Holy Spirit begins to work in a person's heart, they are initially not aware of God on them or God working with them. Um, God can lead a person's thoughts in a certain direction, and they're not even aware that it's God. When we're in darkness, we're dead in our sins, we're blind. Um, the Holy Spirit in his grace begins to worse and draw us. And um, we start asking questions. We start getting interested. Um, a seed is sown in the heart. We can even start going to church. That can be part of the process of our seeking God, many other ways. And then when we are born again, the Holy Spirit, we are born of the Spirit. The Spirit of God touches us. And we suddenly become aware. Now, one of the, interesting enough, in, the book, uh, in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came, they were told, go and wait for the promise. Don't do anything until you receive the promise. Now, the promise is who? It's the person of the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus knew full well that the disciples, without the presence of the Spirit, um, we saw three years Basically, a lot of things that went wrong with the disciples. Although they observed it all, they didn't have the power. And they were told to go and wait for the presence of the power of the Holy Spirit. And as they wait, they begin to seek God. They do what they can, and then the Spirit comes. Now, the first things that happened when the Holy Spirit came in Acts chapter 2, the 120 all living together, um, whether they were all on good terms, not quite sure, after the, some of the things that had gone on earlier... Um, but when the Spirit came, the first thing is that there was a noise filled the room. There was a noise, the noise of wind filled the room. It's interesting, that noise filled the whole room. And all 120 of them were affected. Um, it speaks about um, them seeing their eyes, their ears, their eyes, and being filled with the Holy Spirit. So eyes, first of all their ears, then their eyes, and they're being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so they began to hear. They began to see. And when we are born again, we become aware. We begin to hear God. We begin to see things that we never saw before. First of all, often from God's word. We begin to have an understanding because our spirit is opened to a spiritual world. And we become a spiritual person. And it's the beginning of a walk with him. Now that walk we can continue and grow and grow and grow in our relationship. Or we can, we can um, uh, basically shut it down. It's perhaps also why you have different kinds of churches today. According to the openness to the Holy Spirit. And his activities today. And what he wants to do. And so the Holy Spirit began to speak. Now, before our birth in Christ, we are unable to hear or very, very limited in our ability to hear God's voice. 
Adam and Eve were just about aware when Jesus walked in the garden that something was wrong and that was it. And before we are born again, we're aware of certain things. And God in his grace, when he begins to touch our hearts, we begin to become aware of certain things about ourselves. The fact that we're not quite what we thought we were. We haven't quite got life altogether as we thought perhaps we did. Maybe there is somebody out there that's bigger than me. Maybe there is somebody that knows what I've been up to. And I've done a good job of hiding up until now. Etc., etc. Those kind of thoughts and feelings begin to come in. The Spirit of God becomes active on the human heart. It's only the Spirit of God that can bring a person into the kingdom. And we're ex, we are um, masters of camouflage, the human being. <laughs> we are masters of camouflage. You can go to church for many, many years and not really know the Lord Jesus Christ. And as the Holy Spirit touches our hearts, he brings us to a place of repentance. And then we begin to hear his voice. Now, John 10 speaks about my sheep know my voice. One of the first things is that we begin to hear his voice. We hear him speaking to us. Sometimes in the Bible, people saw the disciples do great miracles. And then they said, oh, ask your God to do this for me. It's a sure sign the person's not actually yet born again. Because they can't ask themselves. They have to ask somebody else. But when we come into a real relationship with him, there is something there between our hearts and him. There is a relationship. We begin to hear his voice. Probably one of the hardest things in our Christian lives, don't know about for you, but it's the case for me sometimes, is hearing his voice. Learning to hear him. Learning to see him. Learning to walk with him. Learning to be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is wanting to say and do. Now, most as we read through the book of Acts, on many of the different times that Either people spoke or they did miracles or healings or whatever. It often says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, spoke with great wisdom. So Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, was led into the desert. Jesus himself, full of the Holy Spirit, led into the desert, into the temptations. Sometimes we're led into places that we don't expect and we need to be full of the Spirit. So warriors in Christ, to be effective, need to be full of the Holy Spirit. Getting in his presence. Worshipping him. Spending time with him. Just being full of the Holy Spirit. That is our battle position before victory. Sometimes we go through tough times and we just have to call on him, Lord, help, more of you, more of you, just need your help. But in the New Testament, um, in the book of Acts, they were filled with the Spirit. As the Holy Spirit filled the place, the Holy Spirit came down, spoke in tongues, did things, weird things sometimes. Building shook. It wasn't a boring life. It was not a boring life. Anything could happen. 
and nothing was ever done in the same way twice. So that indicates every situation, every day is a fresh day to hear God for what's before you. When, um, when um, Brother Paul um, was, um, and Silas um, were in Philippi, was it Silas? Sometimes I get confused. Or was it Barnabas? I can't remember now. One of them. I think it was Barnabas now. Uh, when they were in Philippi and uh, they cast out an evil spirit from a, a slave girl and uh, the two kingdoms met, darkness and light. Often when darkness and light meet, the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of darkness, um, it spills over into the natural world and there's uh, counterattacks and repercussions, and they ended up in prison. They were beaten, there was blood flowing, and at midnight, when they're tired, and there's blood all over the place, and great opportunity to get depressed, or to start asking God, why on earth is this happening to me? They move into a spiritual realm of getting filled with the Spirit. And what do they do? They start praising Jesus. They start worshipping God. They do something the opposite to what the flesh is telling them to do. The flesh will often pull us in one direction. We have to say, no, the Holy Spirit in me is greater and stronger. And as I worship him, his presence will come. As they worshipped him, they end up in his presence, and God breaks in with a shake in the place, and then all the chains fall off, for it says they got loosened. In other words, they could shake them off. Now, the jailer is still being controlled by the old man and thinks, it's the end, it's time to kill myself. But Paul, recognizing the presence of the Holy Spirit, says, no, this is not the time to be doing this. <laughs> not time for you to go yet. Recognizes God's presence. The more we walk with God, led by the Spirit, all the things I listed earlier, the more we recognize when God is at work. We see him. No, that is God. That's just not an earthquake. That's sovereign God's hand, which the natural man will never see. But the spiritual man or woman sees things in God because we are being trained up. It's battle warfare. And Paul then leads them to Christ. There's an overflow. The whole family gets saved. They're all baptized. Three times in the New Testament we see these overflows where the whole family then gets, back, gets saved. Holy Spirit comes down on somebody. Family gets saved. Often there's a, when God saves you, he wants to move through you into your family. That's the way he does these things. Now, Paul, a few years later, mature man, walking in God, been through some battles, got battle scars all over him, and expecting to die in, in Jerusalem, he said, I'm ready, in the book of Acts, to go to Jerusalem and die. Is that what happened? No. Ends up 
And he knew in God's will that he was to be taken to Rome to go and encourage the saints. But he hasn't worked out, um, it didn't work out how he was going to go to Rome. He thought he'd probably be going in, in, in some style. He ends up being chained and taken to Rome, chained. I wonder when he arrived at Rome, the first night sitting down with soldiers on both sides of him, thinking to himself, back in Philippi, this lot all fell off. I'm going to worship you, Father. Hallelujah. More, more, more. Nothing happens. But like that, it happened like that back then. Holy Spirit, am I out of your will? Is something wrong? He stayed in prison five years overall, maybe more. Long time. God hadn't changed. But Paul had to adapt and find victory in that situation. When he found victory in God, what happened? Inspiration flowed. He starts writing the letters of which we have today. The Holy Spirit's power in him, overflowing in a situation which of natural, in the natural is very dark, but Either he writes or speaks to a person who's with him to write down the information that he receives from heaven because it's the inner state being filled with the Holy Spirit. And Paul learnt in each situation, in every situation, to be content. He'd learnt the key. It wasn't the situation that dictated, it's his relationship with God to find the victory in those situations. And so the Holy Spirit filled Paul afresh. And through that situation, again, more victories flow, victory after victory, and very, very different, totally different situations. Often as Christians, God will put us in from one situation that jumps to a very, very different situation. You think, ah, I've got a great victory in that one, but this one... Lord, help. That's part of the school with him. The key, filled with the Holy Spirit. Because in the natural realm, we, we haven't got it. We need his presence. And just learning to be still and abide with him, worship him, consciously inviting the Holy Spirit's presence. It is a school. <laughs> it's a, a, a walk with him it would be great one day as the church is restored when for my own life long to have it where I can do things because I know the Holy Spirit has said to me do this I'm doing this because the Holy Spirit said it's not a language we often hear but Lord, I want to get to that point. It's a walk with him. Because the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit is here. And he wants to guide his church. He wants to guide my life. And since intimacy 
is what we were created for, the Holy Spirit is deeply intimate. He doesn't just touch my mind or my emotions or my body. Firstly, he touches my spirit. Now, my spirit is where sin was embedded in my old nature. But when I am born again, the power of the blood washes me clean and the spirit of God touches me in the most intimate part of me, my spirit. And that's why I can say I know I am a born-again believer because it doesn't come from my head. It comes from my spirit deep inside me. That is the miracle of new birth. If you say you're a Christian because it comes from your head, you're not yet born again. There's still something deep within your spirit that has to be touched by the living God. Now, time has gone by and I've just given my introduction. <laughs> I'll finish with a few thoughts. I was going to talk to you a little bit about um, the eunuch and Philip, which is quite an amazing story of how the Holy Spirit guided uh, Philip, the evangelist, and the Holy Spirit said to him, I'll just you know, add this in, but... The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go to the road that leads to the desert. Now already that's an interesting comment. Philip, who's an evangelist and has just been seeing hundreds, thousands being saved, evil spirits cast out, Many, many got saved. A great joy in the city of Samaria. And then the Spirit says, go, and go to the desert road. You think, well, I've just been with all these people. Great crusade. And I've got to go and stand on a desert road. Now that takes obedience to the Spirit of God. He was hearing the Holy Spirit. And he obeyed. So he goes and stands by the desert road. Now, there's a gentleman, there are several people that um, Jesus, um, in, in the plan, the sovereign plan of God, God had his finger on. One of them was Paul. Bang! Knocked him off his donkey. God had a plan for him from the womb. And the eunuch was another guy that God had his eye on. It's just that we don't know the rest of the story. God isn't obliged to tell us everything. <laughs> it is. And most of what you're going to learn about him, you've got to discover. He's not going to tell you. And you'll discover it by obeying him and walking in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit. He, it's, you know, he likes to have almost a little game with us. <laughs> it's all there, but you've got to go and find out. You've got to discover it. So the eunuch who has in his mind, well, I'm sure God's there somewhere. So the Holy Spirit is already touching the eunuch's heart. 
Sometimes God breaks in with somebody who's going the other way. And God just breaks in and wonderfully saves them. Sometimes it's out of drugs or whatever, a total mess. And other people, God begins to woo them. We're all different. Recognize what God is doing. Don't try and read it wrongly. <laughs> because when we get wrong interpretations of what God is doing in our lives or in other people's lives, we can get it badly wrong. We have to learn to walk with God and observe what is God doing, what is the Holy Spirit doing. And as um, this chap goes off to Jerusalem, you all think, well, that's obvious. He'll go to Jerusalem and find God at Jerusalem. It's where God lives, isn't it? Go and worship him there. So the eunuch goes, he's been to Jerusalem, and he's not really found him. You know, he's, he, he did the right thing. He's seeking, and on his way home in the chariot, he's reading these words that he can't understand. So his heart's in the right place. One of the things that God always works with is your hunger. And if you don't have any hunger, you're not going to get very far in God. You're not thirsting after him. It, it won't take you very far. And this man was hungry for God. And as you look at the story of Philip, the synchronization is perfect. Because as Philip is reading Isaiah, exactly the key verse necessary for his heart, the Holy Spirit had said to Philip, Go up to the chariot. Now that, that whole synchronization, you think, how did God put that lot together? Now, the Holy Spirit said to Philip, Philip, go next to the chariot. How, what was the movement that Philip made to go next to the chariot? Did he walk? What does it say? He ran. And he ran and got there at the very moment that the eunuch is reading that verse that is necessary for him. Now, how, it's only God that organizes that. Perfect synchronization. That is God who organizes lives and organizes things in a way that we just beyond us. And the Holy Spirit put that lot together for Philip then to use his common sense and start to explain the Holy Spirit will work with us. He doesn't control us. And the whole of that is walk with him. He doesn't control, he works with. Sometimes we initiate, sometimes he wants to initiate. Sometimes he will hide things. Sometimes he reveals things. The moment was for the eunuch. It was not a time for becoming best buddies. It was just a short encounter. Philip was there just a moment in that man's life. And then it was adios. He explains the scriptures. Inspiration hits the man's heart. He himself says, water, take me down. 
Philip says, okay. Where did it come from? It came from him. His heart was being touched by the spirit of the living God. He's baptised. And then I'd love to have been there at the next bit. Philip then disappears. <laughs> the spirit doesn't explain too much on that. Um, but he disappeared and ended up in Azos. What was he doing? Preaching the gospel. Continuing to preach the gospel. Talk about Jesus. Talk about Jesus. It was overflowing through his heart, through his life. Just kept going more, more, more. So we see the Holy Spirit's wonderful synchronization. For myself, I say, Lord, I'd love to be part of that. I want to be in that kind of a program where I can just begin to work with you and walk in what you are doing. However big it is, however small it is, one moment it might be a big thing, another moment it's just a little tiny thing with one individual, but Lord, the joy of working with you. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your power that uh, we have the honour and the privilege of worshipping a powerful God we thank you that you sent your Holy Spirit to fill us, to fill us to the brim. Lord, make us hungry for you. I pray you'll teach us to walk, to listen, to obey, to get closer and closer in our hearts. If it means giving up things, starting up new disciplines, spending time with you, Reaching out, Father, to know you more. I pray you help each one of us. In Jesus' name.